Hallelujah. Okay, I want to know how we can have a gathering of women and not have tissue boxes all over the place. Thank you. Oh, man. It's our accessory. It's mine, anyway. I'm going to attempt to use this. I don't know if it'll stay up straight, but... Awesome. Well, I was listening to a teaching this morning by a gentleman, actually. I think he's from Canada. And he had all of the people in the congregation, after prayer, turn to each other and say, you sure are looking slim today. And I thought that would be a great way to start out today. So why don't you just say to a couple of the women at your table, you sure are looking slim today. Have you lost weight? I don't understand it, but there is definitely a mysterious power in the words, have you lost weight? I, I don't get it, but it's, if you ever want to make somebody's day, all you have to say to them is, have you lost weight? It's true. Okay, so you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts. We are going to... Uh, we're going to move pretty quickly through this teaching today because we want to reserve plenty of time for prayer um, at the end of today. So um, I, I might, I hope I don't talk too fast, but I am going to move quickly. Thank you, Carol. I don't need a whole box to myself, but uh, one never knows. I hope I'm not all, am I all, okay. You, I, you don't have a mirror. I don't know if I got black dots all around me, you know. You know, I heard one time, I'm a, anybody else in here a crier? Like the tears kind of, yeah, you know, if you, if you know me at all, you know, sorry, I just can't, I, I just, I cry. But I heard that you, tears, actually, there are different types of tears. That our body produces different chemicals when we cry. Tears of grief are very different from tears of joy. Tears of appreciation you know, like when you're just like telling the Lord how much you love him and you're so overwhelmed. Those, those are chemicals that are released in your body that are very different from the chemicals that are released when you're grieving or when you're sad. But tears actually are a healthy release out of your body. So once I heard that, I stopped praying for God to dry up my tear ducts. I'm like, just let it rip. I want to be as healthy as possible. Just let it flow. So anyway, the good news about being in relationship with Jesus is that you don't have to change on your own. He is the transforming agent. And he gave us, when he left and the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit became the agent of transformation in our lives. When Jesus' earthly ministry was in operation, he and the Holy Spirit always partnered together. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. These are all right out of Scripture. He healed people by the power of the Holy Spirit. He cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus had this kind of partnership with the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we let the Holy Spirit be all that he wants to be in our lives as well? Amen? Amen? So, starting with this scripture, we're going to read Acts 1.8. Let's re we're going to read two scriptures. Let's read both of these aloud. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And before we read the next scripture, that word power in that scripture is the word deutimus. It's the word that we get our word dynamite from. So we ought to all be blowing up every day with the Holy Spirit resident within us. We have this deutimus power. We have power. We're not pathetic. We have power, right, within us. And sometimes we need to ignite it. A lot of us are sitting around with dormant dynamite sticks in us. 
Okay, John 20, 19, 22. Let's read this one. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. These were a group of people who believed in Jesus Christ. They believed that he was the Son of God. They were followers of Christ. But at this moment, they received an added dimension. When they received the Holy Spirit, or as the scriptures talk about it, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, something transformed in their lives. And they began to walk in a new dimension of power and authority. So today we are going to um, uncover this whole phrase. We're going to learn of this phrase and what it really means when we talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at how this is spoken of in Scripture. Let's, the first person who introduced this uh, term was John the Baptist. Um, and he used this very phrase when he introduced Jesus. Um, first, G, uh, John the Baptist introduces to the crowd um, Jesus as the Messiah, the one who is going to save them from their sin. In John uh, chapter 1, verse 29, he says, um, uh, this is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. So he introduces Jesus as Messiah. And that's our first point of reference with Jesus is him as the Savior of the world. But then John continues to talk to the individuals that are gathered. And he says there's more to him. There's more than just the saving power. There's also the empowering work of the Messiah. So let's read starting with uh, verse 32 what John said. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. And then in Matthew uh, 3.11, this is said. Read this one. I baptize you with water for repentance. Now, who is that that's saying that? John. John the Baptist baptized with water, okay, for repentance. So when we through the waters of baptism in your church, um, when you come to salvation and you go through baptism, you are not getting saved at baptism. You are making a proclamation, a public proclamation, that you have decided to follow Jesus and that you have repented of your sin, that you are dying to the old self and you are rising to the new self, that you are a new creation. That was what was happening when John the Baptist was baptizing and what we still do today. But then he goes on to say this. So that's followers, right? Followers come and they're baptized for the repentance of their sin and rise up into new life. So obviously these are people who have committed to follow Jesus. But then he says something else is going to happen as well. Let's continue to read this. But after me who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So basically, John is introducing this phrase, Jesus will, be, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, meaning there is another baptism that is available to us, not forced upon us, but is available to us, um, other than... Uh, there's more than just water baptism. Jesus is the Savior, but he's also the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He births us into kingdom life, and then he will empower us to actually live 
that um, kingdom life. John is clearly stating here that there are two different aspects to the Christian life. There is the aspect of salvation, but then there is also the aspect of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at how, so we know John the Baptist used that phrase. Now let's see if Jesus, how he used the phrase, because if he used the phrase, it's got to have validity to it, right? So let's see what he said about it. Acts 1.5. We have that one? Okay. Let's read that aloud. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus himself, himself uses this phrase as, um, as, as an expectancy, speaking of an expectancy that the disciples should have. And then another group of people used the phrase as well. The apostles continued to use this term throughout the book of Acts. Years after Pentecost, Peter is ministering in the home of Cornelius, which a Gentile's residence, and Peter recalls and restates the words of Jesus. He says in Acts uh, chapter 11, verses 15 and 16, John, let's read this one, John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we see that that is a phrase that John the Baptist used, Jesus himself used, and the apostles used. So there's nothing wrong with the church today talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, right. Um, so let's look at what this phrase means. What does the phrase mean? We know it's biblical. We know it's throughout the New Testament. So what does it mean? Well, the word baptized um, in Greek is the word bapto, and it means to dip. But the word to dip actually has, an, it, it has a, um, a, a, a likeness to it of a ship going into the water, so the ship is in the water, right? But then to dip is the ship goes into the water and the water now is in the ship. It's the submersion of the ship into the water so that the water fills the ship, overflows the ship. So in many evangelical churches, um, you have the immersion in water Human beings, pastors, leaders, elders, will baptize people in water. They will dip them, immerse them, submerge them. Actually, the word bapto, we get our word submarine from, submerging. So you're in the water when you get water baptized, but when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, the water comes in the ship. It's an added dimension. You are submersed. You are baptized in with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. So water baptism, I'm not talking about the sprinkling baptism where you're dedicating your children to the Lord. I'm talking about when you have full awareness that you are a follower of Christ and you want to rep you've repented of your sin and you want to make that public declaration and be water baptized, submerged, how do you come out of that water? Do you come out of that water just a little bit wet? No, you get submerged and you are soaking. It is dripping from you, right? Well, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you are submerged by Jesus and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, by Jesus himself, you are submerged and soaked with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's awesome. It's because, and if you're soaked, it means it's, you're wet on the inside of your clothes as well as on the outside, right? You're submerged, you're filled, you're overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Remember last week how we talked about rivers and rains and how the Holy Spirit will, he will flow out of you as a river. He will rain down upon you like the spring rains and then he will flow out of you like a river. That's that whole picture again of that added dimension of the Holy Spirit coming upon us through the release of the ministry of Jesus and then the, filling us, baptizing us, water going in 
and then we let the water come out on to others. So some people say, you know what? I received the Holy Spirit when I was saved. I don't need any more of the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you did receive the Holy Spirit when you were saved. You received the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a portion. It was like if I took an eyedropper and I stuck it in Lake Norman and I squeezed some of the water out, I would have Lake Norman and I drank it. I, yeah, disgusting. Okay, but for, for illustrative purposes, if I squeeze that dropper and I ingested, I would have ingested Lake Norman. Not all of it, right? But I would have all the, pro I would have the properties of Lake Norman within me. And when I was saved, when you were saved, when you made a decision to follow Christ, you received, you received that portion that you, you received the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says that you are the temple of a whole. We talked about that the first week. He is resident within you. In prayer this morning, um, the ladies, we were talking, and we're like, you know, Marriott has the residence in. Well, guess what? When it comes to the kingdom, we're all the residents in. The Holy Spirit is residing within us. So we did receive that. But Scripture is very, Jesus himself is very clear that there is a ministry that is available to his followers that is called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can receive more. You can go beyond where you are. You can go into the deep water and be submerged and the water can come in the ship. If you choose it, you can also say, no, I don't want any more. Why you would say that's a head scratcher to me, but you can say that. So Jesus, now some of the people who say, you know what, that whole baptism with the Holy Spirit, that thing is done, that's, that's finished, that was for the apostles and that isn't anymore. They use this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where it says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. That, ladies, is talking about water baptism. That is the time when we are baptized for the repentance of our sin, and we say we're dying to our old nature, and we're rising with Christ. At that moment, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. We are now, that is my public proclamation. I am part of the body of Christ, and I share one spirit, the Trinity. We have this in common. We are sisters in Christ. That's what that scripture is talking about. It's not saying that you should not, you should not receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit and go deeper. It's just saying come into that place where we are all one spirit and drinking from the same well, the, the spirit of the living God, um, and that let loose of the old labels that used to identify you like Jew or Greek, slave or free. Those are no longer useful. Your identity now is daughter of the king. Period. End of discussion. Nothing else. Okay? That's what that's talking about. So why, why, do we, why is it all throughout scripture that it's the phrase, baptism with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, Jesus didn't say baptize of. He didn't say baptize in. He said baptize with. The apostles repeated baptized with. Um, John said he's the one who will baptize you with. That with pronoun is very important. Words matter and pronouns really matter. Um, so when he's saying, when, when you use the term some people will say baptism of the Holy Spirit. That makes the Holy Spirit an object. It's of, it's of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, John says, Jesus will baptize you with, with. Meaning, this is a ministry of Jesus himself to you personally. He is utilizing, there is a ministry that he does. He is Savior and he is baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's other things in scripture. We see him, the Rose of Sharon, and, you know, he's the great physician and yada, yada. But John, 
John specifically, when introducing Jesus to that group of people who were gathered, he introduced him as two things, two ministries, Savior and Baptizer with the Holy Spirit. So when you, when you appeal to the Lord to be, have that overflowing submersion in the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and fill you to overflowing, you are inviting Jesus to come and minister to you. And the instrument that he's using of ministry is he's coming in partnership with the Holy Spirit to submerge you, to baptize you. I don't know about you, but if Jesus says that there's a ministry that he's going to do for me, I want it. I'm in. I'm in. If he's doing it, I'm in. Okay? So, he baptism with, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Um, now, what I want us to do is I want us to walk through the book of Acts. We're going to do that in uh, less than 15 minutes. And we're, well, not the whole book, but um, pretty much the whole book. And we're going to walk through these scriptures, and we're going to see who received this baptism with the Holy Spirit. When did it start and when did it stop is what we want to find out. So when you, when you go into scripture, you'll hear people teach on all kinds of things in this world. But we want to know what does scripture have to say about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Because scripture trumps denomination. I know because I got kicked out of a denomination when I got into this. And I had to, I had to, I had to say to the pastor, this was one of the most exciting things I've ever experienced in my life. And he pretty much said to me, then you need to go experience it elsewhere. It took me about 30 minutes to figure out that that's what he was saying, but that is what he's saying. And I had to make a decision. Is scripture going to trump denomination or is denomination going to trump scripture? And I chose scripture and I am so glad I did. Okay, so let's look, let's look at scripture. All right, some of you just got scared. Don't be, you know what? I'm not asking you to leave your church. If anybody heard that, I am not asking that. I'm just saying, man's if I'd listened to everything that everybody's told me in my life about the Lord, I would be a dried up, barren Christian. Right? I need to go into the word. And if Jesus, if Jesus makes it clear, if the Holy Spirit makes it clear to me through the inspired scriptures that he wrote through the hands of man that something is good, I'm going to taste it. Okay, moving on. Acts 1. Let's read it right there at the beginning. The disciples are gathered with Jesus after his resurrection, and this is what Jesus says. Read it. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, 4, that happened. The promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, and they were all filled to overflowing. Were they already followers of Jesus? Were they already saved? Okay, but listen to what happens. They're already saved, but listen to what happens. Second event in their life. All of them, let's read this together. All of them. How many were excluded? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So that's the day of Pentecost. Now, Acts 3, 2, 38, and 39. Peter is speaking to a crowd, and this is what he says to them. Let's read it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay, hold on right there. What baptism is that? And how many people were supposed to be baptized in water? All of it. Every one of you. Ladies, I know that here at Morning uh, Grace Women... Many of you are from denominations that do the, the baptism as, of a baby. And I think that's lovely and I think that's beautiful. However, Peter says he's not telling babies to repent and be baptized. Right? You can't repent as a baby. You grow up, you realize that you're in need of a Savior. And what's supposed to happen? 
You're supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You're supposed to do that acknowledgement that I am no longer um, I'm no longer a person of the world. I'm a person of the kingdom. I've, I've left Egypt and I'm headed towards a promised land. That's supposed to happen to us. And I think many of us are walking with a limp because we do not go through the waters of baptize. We think that the baby time took care of it. The baby time is a time when you are dedicated. You can't repent as a baby. When you repent of your sins as an adult, you need to get in some water in front of a group of people and you need to say, the old has passed away and I'm risen anew. And if your church cannot make provision for you for that, then I say go to Lake Norman and have a couple people back you, but walk out the scripture. Again, scripture needs to try to trump denomination. And just, you know what, I'm sure if you go to your pastor and you just say, hey, I've read this scripture and I really, I really am feeling impressed that I need to be water baptized and declare that the old has passed away and I'm a new creation in Christ. I want to follow the words of Peter. I want to do this. I'm sure they're not going to say no. Meet them at a pool, meet them in the lake, whatever. But get water baptized. It is, it, there is something, there's a spiritual dynamic that takes place in your life. Don't be robbed of that. Don't be robbed of that. I've baptized people in their bathtub. I mean, it doesn't, the where doesn't matter. You know how I was water baptized? I was at a women's retreat, and I heard this scripture. And I, when I was eight years old, oh, I've got to watch my time. When I was eight years old, I wanted to get water baptized. My grandfather was a preacher, was a four-square pastor, and he made me come... <laughs> He made, this was back, you know, when cars, um, you still had to crank them up. But anyway, he made me, he made me come to him and he said, I want you to explain why you want to be baptized. Well, I just had a longing in my heart, you know, I mean, but that wasn't, that wasn't theologically sound. And so he said, no, we're going to wait until you can explain. I want to know, I want to know that you know why you're doing this. So then some things transpired in my life and I had to leave my grandparents home at 10 and and so I didn't have that offered to me. So I was at this women's retreat, and I, I heard this scripture, and something just welled up in me. And I said to the leaders of the retreat, I said, I'm not leaving this place until I'm baptized. And they're like, and they're like well, there's no water around here. I said, yes, there is. It's in the kitchen. And so um, we finished the retreat. We went back to the kitchen. I stood in a wash tub, like, a, like a, some kind of, actually, it was like a big mixing bowl, you know. And... <laughs> And I had three women, one got a pitch, all three of them got a pitcher of water, and I stood there and they baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't, the location doesn't matter. It's your heart intent that the Lord is going to respond to. That's what he's going to respond to. Okay, I don't know who that was for. That's not in my notes, but anyway, go for it. That was for you today. All right, let's continue the scripture. And you, and what happens after this baptism? And you will receive the gift. We need that scripture back up, Lori. The Acts one. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. So how many people is that? Like, when it says for all who are far off, what that means is for your children, their children, their children, their children, their children, their the ones that are so far removed to, from you that you will never know their names. You will never know their names. But all those, all the generations that are to come, this is available. It is a what? It's a promise and it is a gift. But gifts have to be unwrapped. Gifts have to be received. Promises are not um, promises are not dictates. Promises are promises. I can say to you, I I promise to meet you tomorrow at Lowe's at seven o'clock p.m. <laughs> well, that promise only comes to pass if you show up at Lowe's. Promises have a condition to them, right? So they have to be engaged in. And, so, and gifts have to be unwrapped and gifts have to be received. But the scripture does say that everybody, everybody can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Acts 8, 14 to 17. Let's read this one. This is Peter and John 
are sent to Samaria. So these are not Jewish believers. These are Samaritans. Um, and a um, little different than, than the Jewish believers. Um, they're, you know, the Samaritans, they kind of look down on the Samaritans. Um, so the apostles go to them, and this is what happens. So the apostle, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, period. Now, what does it mean that they've received the word of God? They've accepted the word of God. What does that mean? Yeah, they've decided to become followers. They've received the word of God. They're believers. They believe in the message of Jesus. Okay. All right. So Peter and John go to them, and this is what happens. When they, who is that? When they arrived, Peter and John, right? When they arrived, they prayed for them. Who's them? The Samarians. So those people who had, who had become believers, they prayed for them, these new believers, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, did this happen at Pentecost? When did it happen? After Pentecost. Um, so, these were believers in the Word of God who had gone through water baptism now, did they receive the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when they, re when they first believed? Did they get the eyedropper? Yeah, they got the eyedropper. But John and Peter basically recognized they had not moved into the added dimension of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus to them to overflow them with the Holy Spirit. So he invites them to do that. They lay hands on them, and they received it's pretty much that simple. Okay, let's go to Acts 10, 44 to 48. Peter has now been sent to the Gentiles' home by the name of Cornelius, and he preaches to Cornelius' entire household, and this is what happened. Let's read it. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I love this passage because you can't put God in a box. You know, you can't say, okay, here are the four steps that you have to walk through. You must repent. You must confess your sins. Then you go into water baptism. And then after water baptism, you spend 10 years in the church learning a whole bunch of stuff. And then finally you get so hungry for more of God that you ask to receive the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not the pattern. Right here, these were hungry people. They were searching. They were longing to understand God and who he was. And Peter comes to their home and he starts to teach them and he starts speaking about the Lord. And, they, um, the, and the Holy Spirit just breaks out amongst them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And then Peter's like, Duh. oh my gosh, we got this out of order. They received the Holy Spirit. And now we got to go get them baptized in water. We got to make this thing complete. And so they go out and they baptize them with water. And, um, uh, and they've kind of, uh, they've experienced things a little bit out of order. But God responded to their hunger. And that's what the Lord will always do with us. The Lord will respond to our hunger. When we thirst, he says he will quench our thirst. When we seek him and we knock, he will answer that door. Um, we don't have to get worried that we're out of step of the formula. It's just if we ask for more, give us more if we're really seeking him. But the point of this scripture really is, is that they, these are people who ten, uh, the day of Pentecost is set at 30 A.D., and they think that this story of Cornelius took place in about 40 A.D. So the point I want to make is the people received the baptism with the Holy Spirit 10 years after Pentecost. 
So those who say that this was an event, that this was an experience that only happened on the day of Pentecost, haven't gotten past Acts chapter 2. Okay? So let's go on to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. Paul is now ministering in Ephesus. This is between 55 and 57 A.D., all right? So let's read this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, where he found some disciples and asked them, what are disciples? They are people who are being mentored by the Lord, right? They're being disciplined. They're learning to walk in the disciplines of the way. So that's why we're disciples. We're called disciples because we're being disciplined by the scriptures on how to reflect Christ to our world, how to be a Christ follower. So these are obviously people in Ephesus who are followers of Christ. They're followers of the way, as it was called at that time. I actually still really like that word. I'm kind of ready to change church to the way. Like, I'm following the way. Um, you go your way. I'm going this way. Okay. All right. So um, anyway, back to this. Um, all right. And this is what he says to them. So people who are already followers of Jesus, he says to them, asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So are they in the wrong there? No, they've been water baptized. That's what they knew. That's what they knew about. That's what had been unveiled to them. That's what they had revelation of at the time. So they had walked out the fullness of the revelation that they had at the moment. So then Paul says to them, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So do you catch it? Paul asks them a very challenging question. Have you gone on? Have you gone beyond your salvation? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Some translations say, since you first believed since you first believed. This would lead us to believe, to understand that the early church leaders were concerned that people were not asking for the additional dimension of the empowerment of the filling of the Holy Spirit. They were concerned that people weren't going beyond the receiving of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the time of salvation, and were they actually entering and requesting the ministry of Jesus to baptize them with the Holy Spirit and move into that additional empowerment. They understood, the early church leaders understood that Pentecost wasn't a day on a calendar, but it was the beginning of a, of a supernatural movement of God to release into his believers the empowerment, the dudamus, the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. This, ladies, was 15, 17 years after Pentecost. So those who say to me, Michelle, that was for the day of Pentecost and all that tongues of fire stuff. That was an upper room thing, and that just isn't going on anymore. I say to them, hooey. <laughs> hooey. You haven't continued to, re continue to read the book of Acts. We are still writing the book of Acts. We are in Pentecost. I don't know what chapter. I don't know what day of Pentecost. But we are still in Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is wanting to move through people the same way that he did in the written books of Acts. We are still, our lives are still writing the books of Acts. So my question to you today is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you first believed? Have you gone beyond, have you added that, that um, additional dimension of the baptism with the Holy Spirit? 
Have you been submerged by Jesus into the water? Have your, has your ship gone into the water? Yes, if you're a follower of Christ, but has the water come into the ship? Have you received that overflowing power of the Holy Spirit? So last week, we, and if you haven't, we're going to give you an opportunity for that today. So last week, we studied the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons that we did that is because when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, there are indications of the um, new dimension of the Holy Spirit being resident within our lives that are related to his symbols. So some people think that speaking in tongues is the evidence. Remember I said pronouns matter. They think it is the evidence and the only evidence that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I do not agree with that. Neither does Grace Covenant Church. The doctrine of Foursquare believe that. The preposition is an, A-N. Prayer language, the receiving of a prayer language, and we talked about a prayer language last week. If you were not here, I think that was taped and people can listen to that. So we talked about the difference between a corporate tongue given a message to the body and interpreted by someone in the body. The difference between that and a personal prayer language speaking in tongues, an unknown, a heavenly tongue that personal prayer language that is given for the expansion of your worship, the expansion of your prayer life, and the expansion of understanding. Um, so that is an indication, A-N, not T-H-E. So um, that is one. Some people, when they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, by whom? Jesus. It's a human being that's going to pray with you, but it's Jesus doing the baptizing. Um, when that happens, some people receive an, an evidence that something took place, a dynamic happened because they received a prayer language. So some of you may be sitting there going, okay, how do I know that I received it? Well, first of all, it comes through your mouth. Um, you utter it. And I, I don't say that jokingly because a lot of people, when they pray for a prayer language, they stand there and they go, okay, lay it on me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know, it's not like, it's not like Jesus is going to come and go, and start moving your tongue. You have to utter it. You have to give it sound. So sometimes a prayer language will bubble up from your inward being. It'll just start to bubble up. You just feel a rise. You feel... It's like a water, you know, it's like a well. It's just rising. And you just, you got to speak it out, though. Your lips might be quivering, sound like an idiot. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's a heavenly language. And babies start out sounding foolish, right? But as exercise, trying to speak, the language becomes more pronounced and more um, uh, in, in a syllable form, right, as they exercise it. When I first got my prayer language, my lips would not start moving. It was like I was freezing cold, but I wasn't. I was burning up hot. And my lips were just quivering, and all I was doing, you know, I mean, that was it. And my aunt just encouraged me, okay, keep doing that every day, three times a day. Just keep praying, keep worshiping the, the Lord. And as I did that, a language began to emerge. But you have to start somewhere. You have to give it, as it says, they gave the Spirit utterance. You have to release it. Sometimes you'll see uh, a word. Sometimes you'll hear a song in your mind. Sometimes you'll hear the language in your mind. As I said, other times it just bubbles up. Sometimes you'll be singing to the Lord and you just start singing in a way you've never sung before and it doesn't make sense to you. Sing it out. That's your prayer language. Um, so you, you, the big thing is you can't do it out of your head and you can't do it out of reasoning. It's not logical. It's mystical. It's wonderful. It's heavenly. It's a heavenly prayer language. And the beauty about it is the enemy doesn't understand one word of it. Um, and so, um, so it's, it's, it's powerful. And I would encourage you, contend for it. 
If, if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you still don't have your prayer language, you keep knocking on the door of heaven. It's going to come. Don't give up. Just keep knocking on the door. And, um, and if you haven't received it, don't feel like you're some lesser Christian. Like, well, she got it right away, and I've been waiting two months, and Lord, why don't you love me like you love her? It doesn't, I don't understand why the Lord, like some people, he just goes, bam. And other people, he lets them wait and lets them pray. And then one day he goes, bam. I don't know why he does it that way, but this is what I know. He knows me. He knows how I operate. He knows how I function. He's got a plan for my life, and he'll do good things in his good time. So I just keep, you just keep pressing in. You just keep, you just keep asking. Um, you, uh, I know some people have not received a prayer language because they never asked. You got to ask. You got to ask. He's not going to like drop out of the sky and hit you with it. You know, you've got to ask. Some people are not aware. They haven't had the revelation of it. Some people are just afraid. They're not able to yield because fear is holding them back. They're, they're like, okay, tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's not a formula. This is not, this is not human. This is supernatural. This is divine. You can't do it out of your flesh. Um, but you just, and then some people just uh, can't loosen their lip. You know, it's just like, I want to know exactly. They have to be in control is what it is. And when it comes to the supernatural, sorry, you just aren't going to be in control. You just, you just aren't going to be in control. Now, now, let me say this. You don't give up control in the sense that you can act like an idiot and, and excuse yourself. God doesn't expect us to act like idiots, right? He, he does things in order, and he's a gentleman, and you always have you always have a say in what you're going to yield to or not yield to. You always have a say. He doesn't override us. But to enter into supernatural things, you can't, you can't control it logically. Okay, today I'm going to prophesy. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work like that. It's not natural. You yield your natural to his supernaturalness. Okay, another indication that's one indication but another indication remember last week we talked about him being a dove so another indication is an overwhelming sense of peace a calm assurance the holy spirit is our comforter and so many times when people receive the baptism with the holy spirit an overwhelming sense of peace comes upon them that's what happened to me when i was first baptized with the holy spirit it was right at grandmother's funeral most awesome funeral I've ever been to. And so there was, uh, my aunt gathered a whole bunch of us in the fellowship hall of the church. My grandmother was a woman of the word. Oh my gosh, she knew more word uh, than anybody I've ever known. And um, anyway, gathered, there was a prayer time. Whole, the power of the Holy Spirit broke out this prayer time. I had family members delivered from drug addictions. People were getting slain in the spirit. And I was standing there in all my professional attire watching this circle going, what the heck is going on here? And I got caught up in observation and was afraid to participate. And um, so when the whole thing was over, I was awed by what I observed, and I felt the electricity. I mean, I, I felt the move of the Spirit in our midst. And my aunt said when she started to pray for this circle of family, she said, today, Thelma's prayers are going to get answered. She's been praying prayers over you grandkids and stuff for you. Her prayers are going to get answered. And, th and it happened. But I didn't receive because I, I observed versus participate. So I got in the car. We were driving from Fort Myers back to Sarasota. My mom, my brother, my sister, my, they, they got a total dose of the ghost and were like wacko in the car. And I'm sitting in the back seat and I'm just, <laughs> I miss God. I miss God. I was so in my head. I miss God. You know, my mom's like, don't worry about it. We'll call your aunt when we get to Sarasota. And we call and she's like, you don't have to be in the room. You don't have to, you know, this isn't God. God is not confined by a space. So I called my aunt. I miss God. Aunt Chloe, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no problem. Let's just pray right now. And she began to pray, and I fell back on the sofa, and I was out like a light. And uh, it was like this peace. It was like I could almost feel myself just, just going back onto the sofa. But what was happening in my life at the time, I was about to go home and discover my husband in the not my current husband, my husband in a seven-year affair. 
I was about to open the door and walk in on them. And the Lord knew that. And I needed that overwhelming peace. That was the empowerment that I received. Now, when I woke up, when I came to off of the sofa, I was singing in the spirit and had my prayer language. But what came over me was peace. That's what came over me because that's what Jesus knew I needed. That was his ministry, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He ministered and gave me the evidence of this like, whoa, chill, man. I'm so relaxed. I'm so at peace. And that peace lasted for about two months. It was just like people were like, why are you so calm? You know, it's like almost scary calm because I'm not a super calm person. And, um, but it was, it was the evidence. It was the evidence. Um, so another evidence is freedom. A sense of amazing joy and a sense of being cleansed. Remember we talked about water last week and how the Holy Spirit is water. He's a river and he's rain. He cleanses us. And so some people, after they're prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they just feel liberty. I mean, they're just like, whoa, you know, I am free. Woo! You know, I mean, they're just, they've just got it. And that's why a lot of people step back and go to that. They'll say to that person, Oh, you'll come down someday. This was just, an, you'll be back to normal again. No, if you get liberated, don't go back to normal. The church is full. That, I think liberation should be normal, not the other, right? Other people receive a greater understanding of the scriptures. Second um, Peter 1, 2. You just, just read that for yourself. I've given you a bunch of scriptures there that you can, you can um, read. But I know people that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they are so hungry for the word. Like the next day, they wake up, and they're just like, <laughs> I mean, they're just like, ah, it's like, you know, sugar for some people. It's just like they can't get enough of the word because the word all of a sudden has come alive to them. They have this amazing new fresh understanding. It's the evidence of this added dimension of the Holy Spirit in their life. Greater empowerment to live a holy life. Um, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth and revelation. The scriptures tell us to walk as wise, not as unwise. To walk and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit. That's that added dimension of empowerment to live the life that God has called you to live. I know people who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and two days later they're like, I have not thought about doing X for two days. What happened? You got empowered by the Holy Spirit. Water got in the ship. You know, celebrate it. Celebrate it. You have this added empowerment to live the holy life. Greater authority. Um, Mark 16, 15 to 20, Jesus said greater works would characterize those that have been filled with his spirit, that we would just have this greater authority. I know people who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They go to work the next day. They go to pray for somebody, and it's no longer a little mamby-pamby prayer. Well, God, I just pray that you would bless so-and-so and be their light and love them a whole bunch. No, all of a sudden they're praying, in the name of Jesus, I command, I command the assault of the enemy to cease and desist today in Jesus' name. And they finish praying, they're like, what? Who was that? You know, who, what was that? That's that authority, that evidence, the evidence of that added dimension to them where they're now moving in an authority that they didn't have before. Um, fire. Remember last week we talked about the Holy Spirit coming as fire and burning up those ropes. There are many people that I've prayed for that have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and they are, just, they are burning up. They are so hot, I have to step away. What always cracks me up is they say, I say to them, how did, how did the Lord minister to you? And they're like, I don't know. And they're, but they're, they're going, I don't know. I don't know that anything's really going on. And they're just fanning themselves. They're like, but I am like just really burning up. Well, that's the evidence right there. The water got in the ship and he's burning stuff out of you. He's burning it up. So you won't be encumbered by that anymore. And then Acts 1.8. Greater witnessing. Um, he will make you a witness. He will give you. You are Those rivers of living water come pouring out of you in order to make Christ better known. He will enable you to witness. And um, I've seen that in so many people's lives. So let me just kind of sum this up and we're going to start to pray for people. The baptism with the Holy Spirit 
is a ministry of Jesus. That's first of all what you really have to understand. It is a ministry of Jesus. So if you've already been filled and your friends are talking to you and they're like, I want this baptism with the Holy Spirit. First thing you've got to understand is you invite Jesus to come and do the ministry. He's just using you as an instrument to flow out of. So it's Jesus who does the baptizing. Um, and then you have to lay, you have to be expectant that Jesus is going to give you the gift that he promised to give to everyone. But you also have to lay certain expectations down. You can't expect him to perform in the way that you want. So you can't come and say, oh, Jesus, come and minister to me. And by the way, I want fire and I want peace. And when you also give me a dose of greater witnessing, no, it's, you, have to, you have to come and just say, Lord, you said you would minister this to your people. I'm one of your people, and I'm asking for it. And come and just give me the evidence that I need in my life right now to verify that the promise was fulfilled. That's it. And then let him do his thing. Let him minister to you in the way that he wants to. And if you don't receive, you're like, I wanted a prayer language. I didn't receive because I didn't get a prayer language. You are discounting the beauty of what he did do. The prayer language might come tomorrow. It come three weeks from now. It might come three years from now. But don't miss out on the preciousness of the gift that he gives you today. Receive what he gives you today. And enjoy it and, and, and worship in it. You know, thank, be thankful in it. Have gratitude for it. And then contend for even more. Contend for even more. Don't, don't let the enemy beat you up and say, you didn't get anything. I refuse to believe that. I believe that if Jesus said he was the baptizer with the Holy Spirit and that it was a promised gift to me and all other generations, then daggummit, when I ask him for it, he's going to give it to me because he is not a liar. He is not a man that he would lie. And so I'm going to receive it by faith. I'm going to receive it by faith. And the evidence will be made known to you. The evidence, it might be immediate. I know people, I prayed one time for my sister-in-law to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we prayed, and we prayed, we were at the altar, and we were going after it, going after it, like 10 minutes or something. She's like, Michelle, I just am going to believe it by faith, because I don't sense anything different. She left that church in Atlanta, Georgia, Mount Perrin Church of God. You have to say it that way, Church of God. It's just part of it. But anyway, she left that church, got into the parking lot. It was a big parking lot. Got to her car, started singing on the way home, and then started singing in the spirit. I mean, you know, I don't know why it happens like that. But she just believed by faith. The Lord met me. I receive it. I believe it. It's just like your salvation. You have no proof the day that you received Jesus that your, blood, that your sins were forgiven and you were washed in the blood. You have but. You had proof about four hours later and then 20 hours later and then seven days later. The evidence of your life began to, to be the evidence that you could point to to say, I am not the person I was before I walked down to that altar or raised my hand. I am not the same person. And I believe that's going to happen for you today. So if the ministry team would come forward, Julia's going to um, uh, just pray, uh, lead us in some song. Now, here's what I want you to do. Some of you have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit already. Um, number one, you might be in a barren and dry place, and you just need to come and be refreshed. We're like buckets and we leak, right? Holes get punched in us and we leak out. And the scripture says that we are to be filled, and that be filled is be filled and filled and filled and filled. So be filled and filled. So prayer team, I want you to come on up and be in place. So... Um, so you might just need a refreshing today. Or you might need to get out there and start sharing what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit with other people. Because as you release it, as you talk about it, as you teach others about it, as you mentor other women in it, the refreshing comes to you. There's a refreshing that will come to you as you release it and talk about him more. So if you, But if you do need that refreshing, I want you just to come up to somebody and I want you to say, I need a refreshing. That's all you need to say. And then they're going to pray a prayer of agreement with you. But I want everybody to come with their hands open. Expectant. Expectant. This is a I receive posture. 
I am ready to receive. And if you've not received the baptism with the Holy Spirit and you want to receive that today, then we want to pray for you. So you either come up and say, I need a refill, I need a refreshing, and they're going to pray for you. Or you say, I want to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. First time, bring it on. <laughs> and they're going to pray for that. They're going to pray for the, Jesus to come and overflow your life, to submerge you, soak you, and fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Um, and whatever evidence he gives of that, he gives of that, and we're all good with it, right? Right? Um, and then we'll contend for more later on. Those of you who don't want to come for prayer, I would ask you to sit and worship the Lord. I'd ask you to intercede for those on the prayer team that are praying that the Holy Spirit will give words of knowledge and words of application to that individual and that Jesus' ministry would be profound and full. And then when it's time and you got to go, go, but visit out in the hallway. We want to keep this a sacred space this morning, okay? So just do your, do your fellowship and your visiting out in the hallway. But come, come, come expectant, come thirsty, come and receive in Jesus' name. Amen.